Hey, welcome in everybody to the Best Coast <laughs> Football Podcast. I am going to be your host tonight, Jordan. Brandon is here with us, but he's got a little bit of a throat thing going on, so I'm going to take over hosting for tonight. What's up, Brandon? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. All you right, sound glad good. To, glad to have you here. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Don't, Thank don't you. sound like your normal self. <laughs> Hopefully you'll be better for the next episode and, uh, you know. Um, but we also have uh, Zach and Johnson in the house. What's going on, guys? What's up, fellas? Uh, thanks for joining, guys, and helping me so I don't have to talk too much. But I couldn't miss this episode. I was so excited for this episode. <laughs> Why did something happen? Uh, <laughs> Maybe something happened. Uh, the A little thing uh, that they like to call the NFL draft. NFL Christmas. Yeah, a little, little bit of a big deal. So um, we are going to hop into some draft coverage, talk about uh, who went where, you know, now that we finally have, you know, definitive where everybody landed, where they were drafted, and, you know, what round they were drafted, what the draft capital looks like. And uh, we're starting to see a lot of things shake out and get ready for the 2023 NFL season. So I am pumped, y'all. I'm so glad to have you guys with me to break this down and hopefully help our listeners uh, move themselves towards their rookie drafts and win in some fantasy championships, right? Yes. And most of our mocks that we did base our stuff on were totally off, too. So, Oh, of <laughs> course. Nobody <laughs> gets their mock drafts right. And everything's right. changed now for for the fantasy drafts. So, we'll, yeah, uh, no one, no one predicted Gibbs that early. No one. No, no, that was a huge deal. Um, you know, the, the quarterbacks, I don't think there was a ton of surprise other than Will Levis not being drafted in round one. Um, but Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, and of course, Bryce Young was the one one So we'll but go Levis still those. went to the team we all thought he was going to go to anyway. So it, yeah, that is no, true. no harm, no foul. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a lot happened, and I'm pumped to get into it. So let's just let's hop right in, unless you guys have any. I, there's a tiny bit of news. It sounds like Jarek McKinnon's going to re-sign with the Chiefs. That's kind of the only big news outside of the NFL draft right now. Um, yeah, it's oh. going to pick back up now. And like, DeAndre Swift was <laughs> traded to Philadelphia. They can't help themselves. They saw he went to Georgia and then just, you know, kept <laughs> the train rolling. Philadelphia Bulldogs train keeps it rolling. That's what it's got to be. All right, so we're just going to go through skill position players. Uh, round one, the first pick of the draft, we had Carolina take Bryce Young. Everybody knew that was going to happen. Vegas definitely knew that was going to happen. Um, at pick two, Houston took CJ Stroud at uh, quarterback. Um, at pick four, Indianapolis took quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, at pick eight, Atlanta took Bijan Robinson, everybody's Huge. favorite running back. This is massive. Uh, at pick 12, Detroit grabbed Jameer Gibbs, which is part of why they traded Swift to Philly. So a new running back there in Detroit. Uh, then later in the first round, there was a run on wide receivers at pick 20. Seattle took Jackson Smith and Jigba 21. The chargers took wide receiver Quentin Johnston at 22. Baltimore took wide receivers, a flowers at 23. Minnesota took wide receiver, Jordan Addison. And then I believe Buffalo traded up to pick 25 to take tight end Dalton Kincaid as the last skill position player in round one. So uh, well, let's uh, let's go around. We'll start with Brandon, then we'll go Zach and Johnson, and just give me your biggest takeaway from round one, and then we'll hop into a couple of these guys. Well, I think a, a big one for me was, you know, I the, the Quentin Johnston to the Chargers. Um, I think that's big for his draft capital, and as far as like what his position was, we thought he was going to go to the Saints. I think that was a big one that we all uh, saw coming, but. I really like that landing spot for him. Um, I think that could be a huge spot for him to to really turn into a good player. I really like that one. Yeah, great landing spot. I totally agree and love seeing the first round capital. It just kind of gives everybody that boost of confidence in a guy that, you know, he has some knocks on his game, but obviously, you know, profiles as an X wide receiver who can get it done on the outside with that uh, that big body and that strength. So, Do you think he's going to be like super fantasy relevant this first season though? I don't think this season, not if, especially because they kept um, Keenan Allen and, you know, like the whole team's still there. I think this, 
may hurt Palmer a little bit more than uh, anybody else, but I'm, I'm curious to see the direction. I, I don't think this season is his big season, but I think going forward, having the young quarterback with Herbert and stuff, I think he could develop into a, a really good wide receiver too there. Um, but I think this year he's still going to have that step back. Uh, long-term it's a fantastic landing spot, as you mentioned, to be there with Herbert, um, who's almost certainly going to get a huge contract uh, coming up in the next year or so. Um, but yeah, it could take a little time with the other two wide receivers they've got there, but we've, we've been seeing more and more over the last few years, wide receivers having a, an impact early on in their career. So I would expect him to probably take over the wide receiver three role and maybe even be pushing Mike Williams for the wide receiver two role later in the season. Well, I think Eckler is still like their wide receiver too, technically with his right. amount of receptions, but yeah, I, I, he's kind of a, a developmental guy. He's got all the physical traits. He's, I think he's going to be like Mike Williams 2.0, but he's, you know, seven and a half years younger and way less injuries. Yeah, hopefully resume, so. hopefully less injury prone. Uh, Zach, who was, what was your big takeaway from round one? My, mine's the double dip with, at pick 12. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, and then because of that, uh, Swift getting traded to Philly. Um, I mean, we saw he, he's the... It, we, we were kind of hoping that Bijan would get top 20 draft capital, right? And, like, anybody who gets drafted that high as a, a running back, like, they are almost guaranteed to be a producer. At least one, I think, one RB top 12 season in their career for, like, like 90% of the guys in the last, like, 30 years. They've yeah. taken the first. And it's not only did Bijan go ahead of him, he, he got top 12 capital, which is just unheard of. Uh, especially in the modern day NFL. Um, if he, you know, he goes to Detroit, who everybody's kind of looking at as the up and coming team in that division. Now that the Packers are without Rogers. Um, if he gets that uh, Swift role on a team that like, apparently they, they hated Swift in the, if they're willing to spend top 12 capital on him. They probably don't hate him. They're going to give him all the check downs, Goff's the check down machine. I, that's huge. That's well, huge he's for a th- he's a thousand a thousand guy. Like he got a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving. I think that he can take on a major role coming in, and I, I think that he's going to get peppered with targets. Yeah, I mean, he was the number one receiver at, at Alabama last year as a mm-hmm. running back in a timeshare, nonetheless. So, I mean, I don't think anybody realistically expected him to be a twenty rush kind of guy. So, him going to a committee there with Montgomery isn't the end of the world. I, I, I love it. And then uh, so Swift it, going to a team in Philly who's got, you know, minus Sanders. That's, that's huge. So in a dynasty setting, has he cemented as the one Oh two in a, in one in, quarterback? Yeah. In one quarterback, in one league, quarterback. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, Johnson. We, who, oh, go ahead, Zach. Well, I, I was like, I, I, I do like Brees hall better as a prospect, but he went early second and we were taking him as the one one you know, with that capital, uh, Gibbs went 24 picks higher than that. Well, the he, only problem with Gibbs is he's 199 pounds, right? Yeah. Well, it's pretty much the only knock on the guy. Yeah. And he did handle a, a reasonably big workload in the SEC against good competition. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that goes with the ground game, but obviously he's going to have an impact in the passing game. And that's part of the big reason why they drafted him so high is that he's a pass catching specialist. He's going to make an impact in the passing game almost immediately. Uh, so my biggest takeaway would be Jordan Addison. Uh, I think that his draft stock was pretty much plummeting uh, ever since uh, USC was no longer in contention and essentially Minnesota taking him here is just the absolute perfect spot for him to fall into. Uh, I think the Jefferson's going to get doubled on the outside almost every down, and he's going to have all those underneath targets he's going to want. So I love his landing spot, and I think he's going to skyrocket up draft boards and be available um, around the, the end of the first for those rookie mock drafts. He was a big one for me as well because of the landing spot. He had fallen down my rankings a little bit uh, after the combine with just how small he ended up being and, you know, not having incredible speed for that size. But um, the landing spot's great. 
you know, he, he's got Justin Jefferson there, who's obviously going to be the wide receiver one, but there's a lot of targets to go around in this Minnesota offense. So I think you're right. That's a fantastic landing spot. I love that for Jordan Addison and the first round capital can give you confidence in drafting him. So yeah, I think it's good stuff. everybody other than Carolina knew Adam Thielen was washed and he still got like 140 some targets last year. I mean, if he can fill that role and even get you know, 120, 110 targets, that's insane. Um, and I, I could see him in play for like the first single quarterback, uh, like 104 to 106 range, even like mid first. Um, that, that whole range right there is sort of in flux. There's a, a lot of options there. I, I love that landing spot for him. Yeah, it's good. Um, if you guys had to bet right now, who would you think is going to be the uh, biggest impact of those four wide receivers who all went right in a row in the NFL draft? Who would you take to be the you know most impactful this year for fantasy? Jordan Addison. Uh, Johnston. Uh, I'd say Addison. Um, for this season, I say Addison. Yeah. The only reason I go with Johnston this year is because of Mike Williams' injury history. I think that uh, just uh, he's missed on an average of four or six games. Uh, if Mike uh, Mike Williams gets hurt again, he's going to step into that X receiver role with a top five quarterback and is going to lead you to fantasy greatness. I do not like to bet on injury, but I like to bet on uh, past leading to future success. That kind of makes an argument for Zay Flowers too then, because when was the last time OBJ played a full season? Or uh, Or – um, Rashad Bateman, for that matter, as yeah. well. So Mark, Andrews I know it's less pass get, volume, but Mark Andrews is going to get a thousand yard, a thousand yards. Period. So, I I personally think Jackson Smith and Jigba, the first wide receiver off the board, is still going to have the largest impact this year. I think that um, you know Seattle, they've got enough to go around. Um, they're obviously going to lean on the run game, which we'll get to shortly, but. Uh, I think JSN could have a huge impact. And I think just the style that he plays with and the talent that he is, he's going to command targets in that offense, uh, potentially at the expense of Lockett. So, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think, you know, he doesn't play the same role as DK Metcalf. And I don't think he's going to really take away from him, but I think he could absolutely take away from Lockett in this offense. And I think he's at this point in Lockett's career, JSN is probably, uh, you know, an ascending talent who's uh, likely to, to, move into that role pretty quickly. So I like JSN this year. The, the only thing I, I don't know about with that team, cause they, they have an embarrassment of, of wealth there at, at their skill positions now. Like who do you cover? But like, are we betting on Geno Smith to do it again or, or improve? Or was that like a one-off last year? Uh, I wouldn't bet on him to improve, but I also wouldn't bet on like massive, uh, a, a massive decline. The Seahawks, you know, the entire time they had Russell Wilson, he was a hyper efficient quarterback. So Gino had some, you know, some good efficiency last year that maybe you could say, oh, we should expect a, a slight decline in the efficiency. But, um, you know, that's just kind of how the Seahawks run with this Pete Carroll, you know, with, with the way that he runs things there. So I don't think Gino's going to, you know, fall off a cliff by any means. I think he could absolutely continue to support good wide receivers in that offense. I mean, we started to see a pretty decent decline in the offense, though, toward the end of the season. I mean, he had a hot start and was, what, a top five quarterback to start the season. But we saw a pretty decent decline in that offense toward the second half of the season. You know, so, I mean, it's kind of going to be interesting to see what type of Geno Smith we see next year. They also had rookie offensive linemen and Walker was banged up towards the end of the year. I mean, I'm not going to put it all on him, but there was definitely a decline you know going into the playoffs For yeah sure. right, true all right well let's uh let's go through round two here we got some interesting names and some disappointment in round two after you know round one was a lot of fun a lot of good landing spots a lot of things to be hyped on and then here comes round two well um we'll get to it in just a minute but we started off round two with the second pick of the of the round tennessee taking quarterback will levis Detroit took tight end Sam Laporta. Uh, Las Vegas immediately took a tight end right after that and took Michael Mayer, who a lot of people had going off the board in the first round. So I like that pick. Uh, the Panthers took wide receiver Jonathan Mingo, who really rose up draft boards uh, over the last couple weeks. Green Bay took tight end Luke Musgrave and then followed that up with wide receiver Jaden Reed. 
Seattle takes running back Zach Charbonnet, and this is the one we're going to definitely have to get into quite a bit. Yeah, um, Kansas City takes wide receiver Rishi Rice. Dallas takes tight end Luke Shoemaker. Jacksonville takes a tight end in Brenton Strange, and Denver ends it out with wide receiver Marvin Mims, who is also a riser for a lot of people in uh, Love that you know, in mock drafts uh, late late in the off season after the combine and, and after pro days and everything. So, uh, really, pick. yeah, really interesting round two. Some some really good names here. So, uh, Brandon, what's your what's your big takeaway from round two here? I mean, I think, um, I think it's probably the the obvious. So let's so let's talk about Zach Charbonnet first, and then let's get into everybody else. Um, the, what are your thoughts yeah. on Charbonnet? The Charbonnet one was that one caught me off guard. Was not expecting that at all. Um, I really don't like that. I I don't mind that landing spot. I just don't. I don't like it for fantasy purposes. I get they don't want to have. Uh, um, Walker be a three down back and Charbonnet, you know, they were talking, Oh, he can catch screen passes, which is interesting to me because he didn't catch a ton of screen passes in his college career. Um, but that could be different now. Um, so I, I am interested to see what that turns into there. I, I do think it's gotta, I don't know that it's gonna have that big of an impact on, on Walker, but it has an impact on Charbonnet for me as far as drafting him. Yeah. yeah we, I think that's a great NFL win games move and uh, it's sucky for for fantasy football i really wanted him to go to uh the Bengals. yeah really, we, uh, we see over and over again that nfl teams do not care about fantasy football one iota so um this is this is a casualty of that right there where um they made a good move for their franchise adding adding another running back who can help with the run game in case there was an injury there who can take a little bit of the work off Ken Walker and try and keep both those guys hyper efficient in that offense um but yeah it is a bummer for fantasy football we you know we we're seeing mocks one QB mocks where Zach Charbonnet was going third or fourth overall um and now we're seeing one QB mocks where he falls to the two, 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 three. So yeah, he, he fell an entire round. See the problem with Charbonnet going to Seattle is there's maybe three guys in this draft that are legit three down backs that can carry an offense. And Charbonnet is one of them. And now he's one B to Kenneth Walker. So they both take a hit to their, their true upside and I actually saw Charbonnet play live um, for UCLA, and that guy only got faster and stronger as the game went with the more carries he got. So him not him, you know, probably capping out at 10, 15 carries a game now is not what you want on the fantasy perspective. But obviously, it's it's good for Seattle to have that kind of versatility. Yeah, and he is a proven pass catcher, which they've talked about using him in sort of a pass catching role. He he was, you know, he obviously has great hands. He's he's shown a lot in the passing game in in his college career, but he's also shown a lot as a running back, as kind of a bruiser. He, he runs hard. He's not afraid of contact, and so it, it definitely caps his upside to be sharing the backfield with Kenneth Walker, who proved himself last year to you know be a, a legitimately good running back for the NFL. Kenny McIntosh might be like the third best receiving back in the draft as well. And so he'll be there as well. Yeah, but he's a seventh round pick. That's not, <laughs> if he gets any playing time, it's going to be in garbage time. I wouldn't sweat him at all. Yeah, I don't sweat him a lot. He he might not even make the team with only the seventh round draft capital. But um, this, this Charbonnet-Ken Walker split situation is going to be very interesting. We're going to have to see how it kind of plays out through – um, OTAs and through tra- uh, through uh, the preseason and stuff to try and figure out you know how to approach this when we're heading into August uh, and we're talking about you know redraft leagues and stuff so it's going to be an interesting debate like where do people want to draft these guys um, Sharps is probably going to be a pretty popular pick for like zero RB teams I would say um, you know in the in the case of a, an injury to Ken Walker ahead of him. Charbonnet would be phenomenal, but um, that's. I think that's it's going to look. I think it's going to look sort of like the Packers' offense last year, kind of have like a sixty forty or fifty fifty split on any given week. Um, 
do we but, all agree that it's Ken Walker's the the one A there? Oh, definitely to start the season for sure. All right. Yeah, no question. All right, so Brandon, uh, give me another big takeaway from uh, round two here. I actually really like the Michael Mayer to Vegas. Um, after them, you know, trading away their tight end and him falling in the second round to them. Um, I like that one. I do like the the Marvin Mims to Denver as well. Um, uh-huh. I liked it. I liked it a little bit more before the they picked up Jerry Judy's fifth year option. I wasn't sure if they were honestly going to because um, I thought they were, but I thought they were going to trade him on draft day. I thought somebody, one of the receivers was going to get traded on draft day. Um, didn't happen, but I still like that. I, I liked Marvin Mims before he even was a, became a Bronco and now I like him even more. So <laughs> it worked out right. well for me. All right. Yeah, I, I agree with the Michael Mayer for sure. Uh, Raiders not only lost Darren Waller in a trade, but we also lost, um, uh, oh gosh, what was his backup's name? He has, he unfortunately has cancer, cancer and is going to be yeah. playing football for a while. Um, but yeah, so Raiders were desperately in need of a tight end. Uh, it's a great pickup. Michael Mayer has been considered the most well-rounded of the tight ends. He may not have the most upside, but he should be a plug-and-play player. So I think he'll probably even have a chance to be drafted in in like twelve team redraft leagues as a an upside shot late in the draft. Do you think he sees the field right away? Almost certainly, just because of the tight end depth there for Vegas, he's he's yeah. probably going to have to be playing from day one. One of his best aspects is his pass blocking, so yeah. I think that's going to get him on the field right away for sure. He may not be a, a weekly fantasy starter, but he'll he'll be on the field for sure. Yep. Zach, do you have another big takeaway from round two? I do. It's it's Will Levis. Um, as as much as he lost out on the money of round one, I think we all saw that he's a real winner, given his uh, his girlfriend that we saw several times throughout the night. <laughs> um, but not only that, I mean, he goes to Tennessee. We kind of all thought he was going to go to Tennessee in the first round at pick eleven. Um, so he loses out on some some of that guaranteed money for being a round one pick. Uh, they won't have the fifth year option for him, but uh, this is Tannehill's last year of his uh, contract. So I, I think, I, at least I'm expecting Tannehill to be the starter this year, until they're either out of it or he's bad or hurt, and then Levis could come in. Um, they, I thought for sure they would add another receiver. I, I, I mean, they spent at first they traded um, AJ Brown and used that pick on Traylon Burks last year, who's uh, just a stud athlete. Um, unfortunately, he had the was a hamstring issue or something that kept him out of a lot of games last year. But he's still got a ton of potential. But he's like the only NFL caliber wide receiver on that roster. So uh, it may be rough this year, but um, he's got the inside track to a, a starting quarterback spot, which, you know, I, I was doing some mocks earlier and you can get Levis late first, even in Superflex. And anytime you can get a starting NFL quarterback – Outside of like the top four picks, you, you gotta take it. So I love the yeah. value there, both for Tennessee and for for dynasty teams. Well, Levis just has to hand the ball off thirty times a game. That's that's all that Tennessee would do anyway. Well, speaking of thirty, that's how old Derrick Henry turns this year. So I don't know. <laughs> they did say Tannehill's gonna start the season, and then uh, oh, what's the what's the other guy that they drafted last year? Malik, Malik Willis. Yeah, they said he's going to be the second string, and Levis will be three. But it's all going to come down to training camp and how they play. That's going to give him the, the Jordan Love treatment, not let him on the field. Basically, uh, I did want to mention Tennessee did draft a wide receiver, but not until the seventh round. They took Colton Dowell. I don't think anybody expects him to have a huge impact. Yeah, I stand by what I said. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Johnson, you got a takeaway from round two that you want to bring up? Yeah. Um, Jonathan Minga, Mingo, um, Carolina's ride receiving core is wide up in the air because everybody's favorite DJ Moore has been traded. And as much as he's been talked down on this podcast, podcast, um, he's always been a personal favorite of mine and losing him is devastating to the receiving core. So the one, the wide receiver one, 
position is wide open and available. And I think Jonathan Mingo can walk into that day one. Um, he's Steve Smith's favorite wide receiver in the draft. Famously, Steve Smith predicted and called out Cooper Cup's uh, availability to become true. what he is today. Very true. And so I really, really like Jonathan Mingo. He's a speedster. He's 6'2", 225. Um, he was a star at the Senior Bowl, um, just like Brandon Ayuk. And I think he had the same kind of pers- prospect and uh, perspective that Brandon Ayuk came into. All right. I like it. Mingo is a riser for a lot of people. He's one of those athletic freak types that has all the physical tools and maybe just needs a little bit of a development with uh, these pro coaches to really round out his game. So uh, I think Mingo is going to be very popular, probably moving, you know, from uh, like a couple weeks ago, he's probably like a late second, early third round draft pick. And he's almost certainly going to push up to like late first, early second round in most rookie mm-hmm. drafts. So that'll be exciting to watch. I like Mingo as a as a wide receiver, and you're right; that room is completely wide open. Uh, remind me again, where did DJ Moore get traded to? The Bears. The Bears. Right. He, he was uh, involved in the uh, one number one overall trade. That's right. That's right. With, okay. Sorry, side tangent. With him going to Justin Fields, does he get more than five touchdowns? He beat it last year, and I'm not going to bet against him anymore. He's he's a really talented <laughs> player. Uh, the situation and the history was what had me, you know, bet against him this last year. Didn't quite work out, although it was there were times during the season when it was really close. So, what was uh, the bet again, Jordan? Oh, I bet that he Tommy would Tremble. Have, yeah, that Tommy Tremble would have more touchdowns on the season than DJ Moore. Well, Tremble should be the incumbent to lead the receiving core then, right? <laughs> Possibly. I'm not going to bet Mingo uh, uh, versus Tommy Tremble. This, at least not right now. Let me Give me some more time to digest what's going on, and maybe I will. It's um, DJ Shark. Come on. He's going to get that one. But, uh, you know, with Bryce Young stepping in there, they actually, you know, potentially have a quarterback for Carolina this year. So, you know, maybe he's got a chance of being able to get it to the wide receivers and uh, and actually do something with that offense. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, let's run through round three. Uh, so we got a lot more impact players here. And then uh, as we go through the later rounds, four through seven, uh, we probably won't you know hit on everybody quite as much. But round three is still a big round. Uh, Detroit took quarterback Hendon Hooker. Uh, Houston takes wide receiver Tank Dell. New Orleans takes running back Kendra Miller. I know a lot of people will be excited about that. The Giants take wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, another popular name, and his teammate went shortly after to Cleveland, wide receiver Cedric Tillman. Green Bay took tight end Tucker Craft. Uh, Indianapolis takes wide receiver Josh Downs, who fell a little further than I think some people were expecting, but uh, lands in a good spot. Tennessee takes running back Ty J. Spears who maybe doesn't have an ACL in one of his legs. I don't know what's up with that. Um, Miami takes running back Devon A-Chain. People are going to be really excited about that. Uh, Jacksonville takes running back Tank Bigsby. That's going to be potentially impactful there. Um, Pittsburgh takes tight end Darnell Washington, another one of these crazy athletic guys. He's huge. Arizona takes wide receiver Michael Wilson. They also have a pretty wide open wide receiver core behind DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Las Vegas takes wide receiver Trey Tucker, who I don't expect to be an impact guy, but we'll see. And San Francisco rounds it out with tight end Cameron Latou. So uh, let's go. We'll reverse the order this time. Johnson, you got a big takeaway from round three that you like? Everybody's favorite, A-Chain. All right, Devin A. Chain. Um, they completed honestly, the relay yeah. team. It's it's the Miami running back is what everybody just wants. They want to see what that offense can do with a very, with a speedster. Uh, basically, that Miami offense could run any kind of relay across any kind of sport and win. Um, above any other team they have speed everywhere a chain is going to fit in expertly right there uh he could take a draw to the house at any time guy is going to get you 
80 yards or two on any possession at any time. I really, really like the landing spot. I really like the guy. The only problem is a large gust of wind could knock him over. <laughs> All right. Uh, definitely. I know there's, uh, I know you're not the only a chain lover in this group. I know Zach, uh, probably has some thoughts on a chain as well. So what do you got for us? Yeah, he's the, in in all of my best ball leagues, I'm going to, that's my guy. (laughs) I'm not expecting, I I have no idea how they're going to split that backfield because they brought everybody back with Mostert and Wilson. Um, that was one of Miami was like my dream spot for, uh, for Gibbs in the pre-draft. Um, again, not thinking he'd go as high as he did, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he touched on it. Like that is the fastest team. To- they, they built a roster like the Raiders dreamed of 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, it's just speed at All every speed. position. Um, yeah. If, if Tua can stay upright, they, they could win that division. That's saying something that's, that may be the top to bottom best division. Um, that offense is scary. Their defense, I proved too. I, I I like it. You know, I don't think he's going to run it fifteen or twenty times, but yeah, he, he's lightning in a bottle. So yeah, definitely. Um, do you have another takeaway from this uh, round three, Zach, that you want to bring up? Yeah, um, I'm really really torn on it with Kendry Miller. I I was really high on him um, watching his tape in the pre-draft i don't hate the landing spot in new orleans however yeah who knows what's gonna happen with kamara if if kamara's there they're gonna use kamara um he may be in the twilight of his prime or past it at this point but they're still gonna they're paying him they're gonna use him um and then they just signed jamal williams this offseason coming off of his like 80 touchdown season last year in detroit that being said i next year i would be shocked if Kamara was around. Um, so you're drafting a running back who's going to be in a committee, probably with Jamal Williams, who's probably trending downwards. I doubt he's going to repeat what he did last year. So I like the landing spot eventually, but um, with him being the highest running back taken in the third, anywhere past the third, I, I kind of fade running backs. So it's a good spot. It's good capital. Um, but it's kind and of a TBD situation. Kamara might get suspended for six games. Uh, or more, yeah, who knows? Or more. Yeah, we'll definitely have to watch how the Kamara situation plays out, but Jamal Williams, I believe he was tied for uh, the lead in rushing touchdowns last year. Um, yeah, and he, 17 of the 18 were one-yard touchdowns. Yeah, so he, that's that's part of the thing is that Kendra Miller almost certainly isn't going to get a lot of goal line work with how efficient Jamal Williams has been at getting in in the goal line situation. So uh, I would expect that Jamal Williams will kind of walk into that role, especially if Kamara is, um, you know, if, if he's not there or if there's any kind of issues with Kamara. Uh, Obviously, they could use them both because Kamara can kind of play. You know, he could be put into the slot. He plays a little different role for sure. And so even when they put him in in goal line packages, they're going to be, you know, not just handing it off to Kamara to go through the line. So different situation there. But uh, it is definitely a, a pretty good overall landing spot for Kendra Miller. And I, I liked his uh, my evaluation of him pre-draft as well. He was a guy I was really excited for. Landing spot's pretty decent, so he's going to be flying up draft boards as well. We saw him go in the first of our mock that we did. So, um, I liked yeah. him, and that was going to be my the one I was going to talk about too. And I mean, you said you know they paid Kamara, they're going to use him. They paid Kamara last year, and for some reason they stopped using him. So I don't know what the deal was toward the end of the season, but did they not see what they wanted out of him? Is he that was why they very inefficient. The I mean, really, that whole offense was. I don't know why they stuck with Andy Dalton as well, but, you know, that's besides the point. Um, But, you know, I I like the landing spot for for Kendra Miller. Um, You know, yeah, Jamal Williams may get a majority of the the goal line work, but I still think he's going to find himself, you know, a nice role there to be able to be used, um, you know, and still is going to find some touchdowns. I just don't know how efficient that offense really is going to be in general. So it could be limited for both of them on how many touchdowns they get, Jamal Williams and him. Kendra Miller also walked into TCU and took over the job day one. 
and has always been a, kind of a star. You could see his breakout speed. Um, the only problem is he didn't even attend the combine. So you don't really know the, the numbers, the measurables that uh, kind of in contrast to everybody else. So Kendra Miller is the biggest question for me, but he could have one of the highest upsides and the lowest floors. Well, I mean, he was injured. He didn't even play in the national championship game. So like, assuming it's not a long-term injury type of thing, I, I wouldn't hold the combine against him too much. Yeah. I'm just saying we, we don't have his measurables, and that's the only concern. What do you guys take of the whole news that dropped about Taji Spears and, like, having all those ACL injuries and not even possibly having an ACL in one knee? Like, what does that do? Is that why he fell so – like, fell into the third round? Because I, I had heard he was possibly a second-round running back. But, what I mean, does that scare you off of drafting him? Worried about long-term injuries or – Long term longevity of his career. How 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 many years do running backs typically play? Three to four. Yeah. So people are giving him two to three years. That doesn't really scare me. Then, like, if you're drafting a guy for three ish years and he gives you three ish years, I mean, you kind of got what you paid for, right? Yeah, and that's I mean, really, as far ahead as you can really even try and plan with your dynasty team at all is like two to three years, you know, because things change just so fast for these for these teams and for these players. So uh, the I'm, other side I'm, of that is, I mean, Todd Gurley had four or five years before they, some of these nagging injuries really showed up, and we're seeing that today on Tajay Spears. I mean, yeah, but Gurley was also a unicorn high first round pick. He, he was. More talented, more athletic to begin with, too. And that was used way more than most running backs are today. I mean, there's no way Tajay gets half the usage that he had, too. It would take Henry getting injured like week one for him to be get that kind of volume. We're not yeah, even going to put that into the atmosphere. No, God, no. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he's he's going in behind Derrick Henry. It's yeah. not like he's going to open backfield where they're going to, like, yeah, run him into the ground. Masterful, you know, just season out of Derrick Henry. Yes, we do. I know. Not because he's Brandon, on the team or anything. Brandon's but. like, one more year, please. One more year. I, I literally, my whole roster has one more year. So just give me one more good <laughs> year before I have to start over. Um, uh, I was wondering uh, how you guys feel about Hendon Hooker going to Detroit in the third round here and how you feel about him in Superflex leagues. I actually don't mind it. Um... You know, he's, he's obviously not going to be starting this year. Uh, there was a lot of people that were talking that Hendon Hooker was actually probably the second best overall quarterback in the draft. Um, I heard it from multiple people that when I, I read a bunch of stuff about it, just his overall talent. Um, I, I mean, obviously, as far as a fantasy standpoint, you know, Anthony Richardson is going to be one of our fantasy darlings. But as far as a quarterback goes, I I don't mind the landing spot for him. They have a really good young roster and, you know, Jared Goff isn't going to be their, their future. Um, so, you know, if he can sit back and learn a little bit and build with the the team, I actually don't mind that at all. He was actually the front runner for the Heisman for uh, two to three weeks. Yeah. Had it not been for his injury, I imagine Hendon Hooker would have gone quite a bit earlier than he did. Uh, there's definitely, you know, uh, some injury concerns. He may not even like see the, he, even with a golf injury, there's a possibility Hendon Hooker wouldn't even see the field this year. Um, so, but I think long term, you know, the the age is going to be one of the things that people really point to with Hendon Hooker. He's 25. He's older than you know most of the prospects that came in last year. A lot of the prospects that came in two years ago. So, people are going to question, you know, why he didn't come out sooner, but. I don't think people are questioning, you know, what he did in in his college profile and and how good he was for Tennessee uh, um, in college. So it, it's a good landing spot. It's a good opportunity to sit behind a guy in Jared Goff, who's honestly like last year may have been his his best year as a quarterback in the NFL. So, um, you know, to sit behind a guy who's kind of figured it out and has some experience to to help you try and move along to the next level. It is a good spot for hooker. Um, where, where in your, you know, I don't think we've done a super flex draft yet, but where do you feel like you'd be willing to take Hendon hooker in a super flex dynasty rookie draft? 
I think he's definitely out of the first for me now. Um, I, I, yeah, I think he's like a mid to late second round pick for me. The I'm I'm so torn on this. I, I don't know how to feel because obviously they they just spent third round capital on a quarterback, but I'm not convinced they didn't just draft him to be a backup quarterback. The way the coaches talk about Jared Goff, they love that guy, and like when they traded Stafford to the Rams. We all knew, like, obviously they're going to trade Goff when they're receiving Stafford. But the Lions, you know, I, I sort of thought it was just, you know, they're going to say that. Like, they were excited to get Goff back because, I mean, we saw Seattle say the same thing when they traded with Denver. But they legitimately love that guy, and he played great last year, especially down the stretch. Yeah. They almost made the playoffs. Um, you know, if they win that division this year, which they're, they're the, the current favorites – that they're not going to bench him for hooker next year. Right. There's rumors going on right now. They may extend him. Yeah. So I, exactly. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I don't hate the spot, but I don't love the spot. It may just be a, he could be a really good high valuable backup. If nothing else. Yeah. I think if he made it to the third round, I would definitely be willing to take him pretty much anyone, you know, three, one, even, um, second or late in the second it's kind of going to depend how the board falls and who's there uh at the you know at some of these other skill positions but uh i don't think you know i, th- I think there's gonna be a point in time where hendon hooker sees an nfl field almost certainly because of the draft capital that he has and what people believe in the talent um and he, he's got the legs too so as long as he does get back to full health uh, he has some of that Konami code rushing upside that, you know, not quite what we see with Anthony Richardson, but he's he's definitely mobile. So um, it's an interesting pick. Um, all right. Should we talk about some late round guys? Well, I still think there's I mean, this third round was big. It was. I mean, I mean you know, uh, Jalen Hyatt going to the Giants. I really like that one as well. Um, you know, Tank Dell. We touched a little bit on him when we did that mock draft, but him going to Houston to play with CJ Stroud, I really like that as well. Um, Talk about a wide open wide receiver room. Yeah. Like he could take that over. Um, Josh Downs even going to Indy. I mean, he plays a similar style to to Pittman. So I'm, I'm actually kind of curious what that's going to do to Pittman um, because they do have very, very similar style play. Uh, Pittman's quite a bit bigger though. Yeah, but I mean, their profile projections and stuff, they, they play a similar role. They do. I'd be more concerned with Richardson's accuracy than Downs taking his spot for Pittman. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Um, you know, tank doesn't worry me too much there. Uh, Michael Wilson. I mean, that one's, I, I don't know a ton about Michael Wilson, but going to Arizona, it sounds like Hopkins could be back there though, that they're not going to trade him. Yeah. They just announced to be, today. Just to be clear. Um, there's two tanks. There's one tank Dell that went to Houston and there's tank Bigsby that went to Jacksonville. One. Yeah. <laughs> Take Bigsby. That was a pick that was kind of in the same vein as the Charbonnet one where it kind similar to like how I feel Charbonnet going to Seattle hurt Charbonnet more than Walker. I feel like Bigsby going to Jacksonville, kind of kills my interest in him more than it hurts ETN. Yeah. Agreed. For sure. And, uh, you know, the Michael Wilson thing on that note, he and Trey Tucker were both drafted late in the third, Michael Wilson, to Arizona, Trey Tucker to Vegas. And they're two guys that I didn't really do a lot of scouting on in the off season. They weren't really being drafted, but definitely somebody to start two guys to start looking into. Um, see what their profiles look like, watch some film and see, you know, what these NFL teams saw that uh, I was not aware of. So um, yeah, Trey Tucker could be interesting once they trade Devonte Adams. So. I don't think they're going to trade Adams, at least not this year. <laughs> it's just a joke. But, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we have kind of traded away a lot of pieces, so, you know, it's anything's possible, but they're paying them a lot of money. I don't think that's going to happen right now, but behind him, there's really not, you know, there is Hunter Renfro and there's been talk of them moving Renfro. So, um, I think there is some open targets there in that, uh, Oh, 
Foster Moreau was the name I was trying to come up with earlier, who was the other tight end that we lost as well. So there's a lot of open targets in Vegas, and it's yeah, it's definitely. There's also a big component where you want a guy there to sell tickets, and outside of Adams, I mean, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Adams is the guy, and they need him to help Jimmy G be successful and to bring people into the stadium. So, yeah. especially with how much they charge for tickets in Vegas, the most expensive stadium in the nation. Yep, yep. That's no joke either. Um. All right. Well, we, we can we can touch a little bit on round four if you want. Yeah, let's do that because there's a couple interesting names here. I think the first one is going to be the most interesting for fantasy, and that's Chicago taking running back Roshan Johnson, who was uh, Bijan's backup in Texas this last year, uh, but you know was was really good in his own right um, as as a runner and a pass catcher. He does have pass catching chops. So with Chicago moving on from David Montgomery, they had a pretty limited running back room there, and adding Roshan Johnson here is really intriguing i think he's uh you know gonna be um taken pretty early in the second in a lot of dynasty rookie drafts especially one qb drafts he's gonna be taken pretty early uh, it wouldn't shock me if you have a later draft if he creeps into the late first if it's like around preseason time i think there's a real shot he could win that starting job yeah khalil herbert is the incumbent running back there and uh i you know, I think they'll definitely split some of the workload. I wouldn't see Roshan just walking into, you know, like a 70-30 split or anything like that. But uh, he could end up being the lead dog by the time the regular season starts for sure. And if that's if that's the word that's going around by the time we really get to draft season, uh, it's going to skyrocket him up. But that's probably after people have done their rookie drafts. So, yeah. You know, uh, assuming that there is going to be a split between the two and seeing that he only has fourth round draft capital, which isn't a ton. uh, How are you guys feeling about Roshan Johnson? Love it. I think he can walk into the starting role, like you guys said. I think Khalil Herbert is a great talent. uh, But every single time he gets the, you know, Yeoman's amount of work, he does tend to wind down. Um, he came out screaming where he was RB3, RB5, and 0.5 PPR scoring, and then he just basically fell off after that point. So they do need the 1A to 1B, kind of like I mentioned before. And Khalil could lose 1A very quickly to Roshan and become 1B. Well, Roshan's also an excellent pass block, pass blocker, and Herbert is actually really bad at it so it's he's gonna get on the field good call it's gonna really help him get on the field yep yeah agreed agree uh, i like roshan johnson a lot i like him you know potentially more than some of those third and second round i mean well it was only Charbonnet and the second round and as far as landing spot go roshan johnson has a way better landing spot than zach charbonnet i do like charbonnet way better as a talent but um, it's a tough one uh the other fourth round guys, we had the Chargers take wide receiver Darius Davis, who's another wide receiver that I didn't watch a lot of film on. So somebody, you know, some of these guys I'm going to have to start revisiting and uh, and take a little more seriously now that we see the draft capital. Um, New Orleans takes quarterback Jake Hayner. Uh, the Rams take quarterback Stetson Bennett. Cincinnati. <laughs> Cincinnati takes wide receiver Charlie Jones. Uh, Chicago with another pick takes wide receiver Tyler Scott, who was another name that was getting a lot of preseason hype uh, or uh, pre-draft hype. I mean, um, you know, over the last few weeks and then Las Vegas takes uh, backup quarterback Aiden O'Connell. So uh, any other big takeaways outside of Roshan Johnson from this fourth round? I, I had, I had done some research on Tyler Scott when he started getting buzz a few weeks ago. And he like ran a four two nine forty. Was like a junior Olympian. He's so fast. I don't know that I want to put a lot of um, shares into the Chicago receiving core outside of DJ Moore. But as a deep threat, you could do a lot worse. Definitely, is it to look at for like best ball? Yeah, best ball. Isn't he the guy? The guy that ran like a, it was supposed to be a four point oh nine, but they clocked it at a 
I'm not sure. If he ran a 4.09, that he's like the fastest man alive. Yeah. No, you'd have to watch the the video. Like, uh, I'm I'm gonna look. I'm, hold on, I'm gonna look it up while we're still going. All right, they so clocked I'm, him at a. It to me. They clocked him at a 4.44, but he ran our 4.29. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. Okay. I was gonna say if he ran a 4.09, like he he needs to be like racing against. Uh, uh, is that's faster than Tyreek Hill by a know, substantial like, margin? Yeah, that's crazy, crazy fast. Like that's faster. Okay, so I saw a video. I think it was uh, a little before the like it was right around the combine time of um, Usain Bolt running the forty, and you know that like four oh nine was I think faster than uh, given he was running it in like street clothes and like. <laughs> You know, he he beat four four by quite a bit. Still, it didn't matter. He's insanely fast, but um, but still, you know, four two nine is nuts for Tyler Scott. That's insanely fast, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. DJ Moore is obviously going to be the the number one target in that Chicago offense after you know they they traded out of the one hundred one to uh, and DJ Moore was kind of the final piece that made that possible. They weren't. I don't know if they would have done it with Carolina without getting DJ Moore. Uh, so, but they still have Cole Komet and Mooney and stuff. He's not going to be a target monster, but for sure, this speed you can't coach speed. So send him, send him on some fly routes and see what you got. It was the four point two nine where they didn't stop it at the four point two nine. His okay. official time was somehow four four four. Yeah, okay. big difference. But, but if you watch the video, it's like. He was like across the line before the time even stops. So yeah, it's pretty bad. But he he's fast. I mean, he is fast. What do you what do you guys think about uh, Stetson Bennett going to the Rams? I mean, with the injury stuff with Stafford and not really knowing what's going on there, do you think there's a chance he sees the field? I think it's a slim chance, but we can't rule anything out right now. And with the way that Stafford played last year, even when he was healthy early on, it wasn't pretty. Um, So I don't really know what the Rams plan is going forward. They, you know, they traded away all their future draft capital to win the championship a couple years ago. And now they're kind of in a slow rebuild with uh, some old pieces that they, you know, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen with that roster. Um, but I, I think there's a possibility Stetson Bennett could see the field at some point this year. Yeah, I could see him playing. I just don't think he'll play well. Is he anybody you'd be interested in at all in a super flex? Like, where would you draft him in a super flex? Fourth if round. you think he's going to see the field, I mean. Fourth round. Yeah, because it's, it's still a pretty slim chance that he even does. that. He, it, it, I would say his chances are better of seeing the field this year than – two or three years from now. Yeah, agreed. But, um, you know, you're, you're right in saying that if there's a quarterback we think could see the field this year, they need to be drafted in a super flex. I think, you know, the very end of the third or throughout the fourth round, you could maybe take a shot on Stetson Bennett, adding him to the very end of your roster. And if, you know, if things play out weird or like, you know, there's always guys who rise um, during training camp and the preseason and stuff. And so he might be with that guy who sits on the end of your bench and he's the guy you cut when somebody rises up and, and you need a, somebody to, to add on, you know, uh, a guy you want to grab off the waiver wire. So um, that's possible. But yeah, I think maybe in the fourth round, it's not the worst idea to take a shot on, you know, another quarterback who you think maybe has an opportunity. Absolutely. And there's a possibility that the Rams season's over by week eight and they want to see what they have and make sure that they don't want to put Darnold at any more risk or any more jeopardy. So uh, we, we could see the second half of the year there. Right. Taking over. Well, let's uh, we got a, we got a few minutes left. I want to bring up just a couple names from rounds five through seven and just see what you guys think about these guys. Uh, the New York Jets took running back Israel Abanacanda in round five. That sucks so bad. <laughs> that was worse than the Charbonnet pick. That's that was a bummer. Yeah. Okay, I think we're all on the same page there. Um, uh, one that's interesting in a positive way, Cincinnati in the fifth round took running back Chase Brown. 
do you guys like Chase Brown? Uh, like he wasn't um, like a huge guy for me pre, you know, pre-draft, but uh, with fifth round draft capital, it's not terrible. We've seen, you know, we've seen guys like Isaiah Pacheco coming out of the seventh round and have an impact for teams who don't have a, a very deep running back room. So, um, you know, and Cincinnati pretty much has Joe Mixon and that's about it. So there's a possibility Chase Brown could be seeing playing time very early on in, in his first year. Um, you guys interested and in where would you potentially draft Chase Brown? It's the third, third, fourth. Third, yeah. End of the third. They said Mixon's back. They're going to, they're going to get their money's worth out of him this year. Um, I mean, Brown went ahead of some other guys who I thought would go higher. So, you know, maybe they know some, I, I hope they know something I don't know. Um, you know, I do this for fun. They do this for a living. So, um, I mean, I'm not, not interested, but I'm not going to go out of my way to like make sure that I go get him, you know? All right. All right. It's a speculative ad. Um, Indy took Evan Hull. The Giants took Eric Gray here in the fifth round, but I think those are pretty clearly backups. And unlikely to see, you know, major impact without some kind of injury to Saquon or Jonathan Taylor, respectively. Um, I think Puka Nakua at the end of the fifth to the Rams is kind of interesting. Another guy who got a lot of hype before the draft, who, um, you know, he's, he's really fast. And the Rams don't have a whole lot behind Cooper Cup at wide receiver, so... That's He's got the most also, fun name to say. I was just going to say, he also has the coolest name. I want to draft him just because his name is that awesome. Yeah. He's, just, he's Kiki Kuti version 2.0. <laughs> you could definitely come up with some fun team names if you draft Puka Nakua. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, uh, that's always a nice way to, to end your draft. If you you know if you have the, the 310 in a three-round draft or the 410 or something and you want to throw Puka Nakua on and figure out your team name based on that, that's a fun way to go for a dynasty team. Um, Parker Washington going to Jacksonville in the sixth. He was a guy that I liked before the draft who I think is probably fallen for a lot of people along with AT Perry, who goes to new Orleans. Um, Xavier Hutchinson was another guy. He does go to Houston where they have a really thin wide receiver core. So that's, those are a couple names to watch who had a lot of hype in the pre-draft process that people were going through. They have some good film out there. So I think those are some names. Um, Kayshawn Bouti fell clear to the sixth round, goes to New England, where wide that receivers go me. to die. Yeah, Tom Petty has a song for that guy. I mean, he Free Fallen should just be a guy's soundtrack. He was <laughs> talked to about in the same tier as JSN a year ago. Yeah. Um, he was wide receiver 1A, 1B, in the same breath as Bijan as far as draft capital. And dude just fell, fell, and kept falling. And you were, you were talking about him in our last mock, and you were like, you know, I'm curious where he's going to end up. And then he fell all the way to the sixth. I mean, but he could be one of those wide receivers, too, that maybe gets lucky and comes out of the sixth round, but you just don't see it too often. So I – wouldn't be shocked if he ended up becoming something. I also wouldn't be shocked if he was out of the league in a couple of years, you know? Yeah. Especially in in New England. For sure. He has all the talent in the world, just has to make sure that he's in the right structure. And New England used to provide a kind of structure, never for really for wide receivers, but for kind of every other player that had that kind of struggle. So I mean, converted uh, short white slot guys, they do pretty well on with like Welker <laughs> and Edelman, but that's about it. Welker. Yeah. Um, a little what bit of Zach Evans going to the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Evans going to the Rams is interesting. Uh, end of the sixth round. Um, they don't have a lot of depth there in the running back room. Uh, did they, are they still going to have, um, Darrell Henderson? Okay. So it's pretty much just Cam Akers there. So, yes. That is interesting, you know, with Cam Akers' injury history, uh, it's, you know, we, we haven't seen a lot of running backs have a lot of success after an Achilles tear. So Zach Evans is a, an interesting pros, uh, prospect to look at. They do still have the Kyron Rams. Williams, who they drafted last year, though. Okay, but 
Kyron Williams was also, wasn't he a later draft pick, a fifth or sixth round guy? Yeah, and he got hurt from like the jump. I mean, Zach Evans in college played just like Henderson did. Where he's, you know, he's got no wiggle. He can't catch, but you know, he can run. He can run north south. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's about it. So I, you know, I I don't hate the landing spot. I hate the draft capital, but you know, isn't isn't he the guy that Kendrick Miller's took his job and he had to transfer out? Oh, you might be right on that I one. I think yeah. you are right. Um. I had a little feel-good story that I wanted to mention because I was hearing about it on the radio this morning. And Deuce Vaughn goes to Dallas where his uh, dad is one of the recruiters there for the Dallas Cowboys. And he actually got to make the phone call and tell his son he was being drafted. So that's uh, a pretty cool thing. Find that video It's if you get a chance. It's it's great. I don't dude, know if I want to watch they, it. It'll make me cry. <laughs> dude, just before they drafted him, his dad was in the hallway talking to his son, telling him like, you know, this process takes a while. Don't, you know, overthink it. Like, you know, you're going to play where you play, like telling them all these different things. And then like, not that long after, I think it was the next round was when they handed him the paper telling him that he gets to draft his own son. Like that was, I watched both the videos and that was, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Like one that, was, that for, was awesome for the two of them to, to be able to share together. And that's, that's super cool. So little feel good story for about the only cool thing Dallas has ever done, but I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, seventh round, uh, these guys are unlikely to have a major impact, but we did see Isaiah Pacheco last year have him have a, a good season. So, is there anybody you guys see here in the seventh round you want to mention as a possibility to uh, have an impact here in their first year in the league? Uh, the one homer pick I would say is Ronnie Bell. Um, that guy was a star in Michigan and fell due to an ACL tear. Uh, he he is almost impossible to tackle. Every single highlight I watched of him was like one guy bouncing off, two guys bouncing off, and then him just somehow finding his center and taking it to the house. So um, he's going to be you know a late, late guy. And the Niners already have two great wide receivers, but he is a, a terrific field stretcher and really, really difficult to tackle. Cool, cool. I actually, from not from the seventh, but from the sixth, uh, Chris Rodriguez going to Washington. That just it felt like such a Ron Rivera pick because like every year you feel good about their running back who you're going to take, and then granted it's six round capital, but uh, Chris Rodriguez is just like the prototypical like goal line running back who's just going to come in and vulture the other better running backs. He's just a, a bulldozer. So he, I, don't, I don't think he's going to do a lot, but he could be one of those like, you know, spot start when you're out of okay. luck last second, kind of, you know, goal line guys. Okay. Maybe round 20 best ball draft. Yeah. Like, you know, you just never know when he's going to have that three touchdown game. He's got like 50 carries, happens. 50 yards and seven touchdowns yeah. on the air. Yeah. <laughs> But just enough to put your best ball league over the over the hump there. After Gibson was a uh, healthy scratch the morning of the game. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did want to bring up Dwayne McBride, seventh round draft pick to Minnesota. Um, we don't really we it's still kind of up in the air what's going to happen with uh, Dalvin Cook there. So, um, you know, if Dalvin Cook were to be traded, Dwayne McBride would be probably rising up some draft boards, and so that's that's an interesting name. Um, and a guy who had a lot of hype pre-draft, you know, so, um, all right. Well, is there anything else we need to cover y'all? It's officially rookie draft season. Like it's now we are 30 days away from our draft, our camp and trip. I'm so pumped. And I, uh, I cannot wait. Um, I'm bringing home the combine this year though. So. I wonder if I can like set up my belt so it's visible for everybody to see. Probably not. Nah, I wouldn't bring no, it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm, probably, I'm sure. You it's, probably a, it's probably not a good idea to bring it with you. Make sure it's in a waterproof <laughs> case if you do bring it, and just just keep it in the case. Um, as long as it's fireproof around Ritter, so. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Johnson, do you have any like links or anything you need to shout out while you're here? 
Uh, no, I really appreciate you guys, including me. Thanks so Heck much. Yeah. Glad to have you on. We'll have you back for a mock draft here soon too. Cause we're going to get doing, get to get to some rookie mock drafts and uh, pretty shortly start hopping into some redraft mock drafts as well. So I'm excited for all that. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at best coast FF and you can find me at BCFF underscore Jordan. Uh, you can find me at BCFF underscore Brandon. And the unveiling of BCFF underscore Zach, Z-A-K. Yeah. Um, I can now officially talk smack on the Eagles fans year-round. So I failed miserably on our last episode and forgot all of our Twitters. And it was supposed to be like Zach's big unveiling of his you know BCFF Twitter. And, <laughs> and then I just like ended the episode. And then I was like... <laughs> Dude, I totally missed your new Twitter account. So it's fine. That was I on me. I hadn't picked any fights yet, so there was really nothing to click on. But uh, we're good, getting that going good. now. All yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we'll go follow everybody on Twitter. We appreciate y'all so much for listening, and we will be back uh, very soon with some rookie mock drafts for you guys. So uh, again, thank you for joining us, and everybody have a good night. Night, guys. 